listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Fellas, it's time for some shell and tell. And you need to make a phone call, my friend. I've uh, already got him on the line, oh, man. Oh, look is at you a, moving. This is a special, special uh, episode of the shell and tell Birdland style as we've got uh, Mr. Inside Black and Gold, Mr. Ahmed Gafir himself. Ahmed, welcome to the show. Fellas, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. How are you? You uh, fully recovered from the uh, the New York trip? Yeah, it was uh, definitely definitely a long trip, but well worth it. I mean, it was uh, definitely a good time, and uh, you know, the game game went uh, just, just as we expected. So, yeah. um, definitely, definitely a good experience. Well, hopefully, you uh, your pockets got a little deeper because Ryan's and I did. We uh, we put a couple hundred bucks down on the Terps winning uh, over Virginia Tech in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, they ended up winning fifty four to ten. The spread was what Ryan three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> I mean, all day long. And, we, you take and that. somehow we were nervous enough. We're like, I'm at anything we need to you know. I got to put money down. <laughs> we did not need to worry with that giant ass kicking we handed them. No, not at all. I definitely expected Maryland to win, but I did not expect it. Uh, maybe, maybe in a forty four point fashion. Right, exactly. Yeah, 14 was about what I was expecting, honestly, <laughs> even after we knew everything. But 44 was, was a welcome sight. To that point, man, most points scored by a Power 5 team in any of this year's bowl games. Ohio State was a close second with 48. Uh, just, again, I, I fully expected Maryland to win this game. I fully expected them to win by a touchdown or more. But to win by 44 was unreal. And, and i got to say, this wasn't just an offensive game. It wasn't just a defensive game. You know me, I went into this game and I said, said prior to the game. I laughed at him. He did. He laughed at me, Ahmed. I said, the difference maker in this game has got to be special teams. It's got to be an impact in the positive way for the Terps. And man, was it ever. And it started early in this game. Yeah, exactly that. And I think that's kind of the, the perfect the perfect ending for this team because, you know, for not only did special teams, you know, play play well, but for special teams to open the game scoring, um, to, to get to get things started, to get at Maryland uh in control of this game i think that was really big um, but like you said it was just really in all three phases obviously like we've mentioned you know virginia tech the depth was pretty limited in that game but right. um, just for maryland to, to go in and um, and take care of business as they expected as as uh, was needed um, definitely just a, a perfect perfect ending to uh to, to Loxy's third year right it started early with that Tahib Tahib still return uh for a 92 yard punt touchdown something that we hadn't seen an explosive play again from special teams at all and to happen so early in this game was great you knew things were going to go good if it started early like that with special teams Ryan you knew things were going good got you pumped up got your dad pumped up we were ready for it friends over there going I fucking told you and then every time special teams would do something well he would count it he'd be like that's three Ryan that's Four, Ryan. It's like, and I'm like, and then, and then they, I can't remember what they did. They messed up. I'm like, that's one, friend. <laughs> Literally, I wasn't asking. I wasn't asking for anything miraculous. All I was asking for was the special don't teams. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. Play a clean game. So every time they made a clean play, I counted that as a point. I, for I texted return. the two of you the second that, that that return went back and said they looked at the two of you and said, "Screw you, Shell and Devil." <laughs> uh, but man, I, I, the offense. You know, it, it took them a few drives, I think, to kind of get uh, a little comfortable. Yeah, it must uh, have been some nerves there. It took to get a couple couple conditions there where they just turned the three outs, right? Right. But once they got rolling, though, man, it didn't stop. It was six straight possessions, including four touchdowns and two mm. field goals. And, and to Loxley's point, and I wanted to get your comment on this, Ahmed, I was kind of surprised. I thought that this game was super important. We, we talked about just how important getting to a bowl game was. Like, that was priority number one. But I thought the winning this game, uh, again, especially against a team that's in the DMV area that recruits heavily against us, right? 
winning this game meant a lot to this program moving forward. But prior to the game, Loxley had said, like, listen, it's it's going to be on senior leadership to get us there, but you're also going to see a lot of younger guys, a lot of guys that hadn't had a whole lot of opportunities get chances in this game, which to me, being a pessimist a little bit at the time, I thought, shit, we're going to get some of these younger guys out there who are vulnerable to maybe making mistakes and, you know, the game being a little too big for them. But let me tell you, everybody, young, old, didn't matter. Everybody played good in this game and had a major role. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Uh, I thought it was just, you know, especially when you look at the, the running back room, I mean, you see uh, Roman Hemby and Antoine Littleton picking up their first career touchdown. Right. Uh, Daryl Jones, which uh, I, I don't even think I realized I had not scored a uh, touchdown in his, uh, his four years uh, going into that bowl game. But for, for a guy like him, obviously, he's a veteran. But uh, you saw Weston Wolf. Uh, C.J. Dupree was uh, getting a lot more action as well. And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, he obviously had a guy like Top, but uh, to have a guy like uh, uh, Dante Trader playing a good amount, Bo Braid, um, you know, so uh, like you said, uh, I agree. And I think the fact that they won this game, that they're able to secure their first winning season since 2014, their first bowl win since 2010. Um, and I, I, I just think the, the, the total package of this season, the way it ended, um, and and to, to get the, that win in in that year three, like we like we mentioned, um, this is really big because they needed that to be able to show that the plan that Loxie had in place is uh, you know is, is coming to fruition. Yeah, I, you mentioned Daryl Jones here, man. We can't go without talking about him being the offensive player of the game here for Shellentel. Absolutely dominant. Four receptions, 111 yards uh, with two touchdowns. That first one you mentioned, the giant 70-yard touchdown, and then followed it up. It was, a, it was a third and long that we were like, oh, not this again. Well, that third and long went from converted to touchdown in a hurry uh, as they left him open on that left left flat there. So it was, it was really a hell of a game to break out. Unfortunately, he has entered the transfer portal. That will be his last game as a Terp. Possibly catches on with another team, but uh, it, it, it's really good to see him go out on a high note. Yeah, uh, just really happy. And then a guy like Brian Cobbs, obviously, he's another that, that entered the pants of portal, but had a really impressive one-handed catch on the, on the uh, yeah. left-hand sideline. So, uh, yeah, li- like you said, it's just uh, just a, a really, really great ending, for especially for a senior class that's been through Helen back for the, during their tenure. Right. Now, you mentioned the senior class. You know, Teon Fleet Davis has been the, the bell cow for this backfield pretty much all year. He had a good game in this game. Eight rushes, 57 yards. Didn't have a ton of opportunity, but he maximized the opportunities that he got. But you mentioned it, man. These rook, these these freshman rookies, these freshman <laughs> running back that came out in this game, Antoine Littleton, like you said, seven rushes, 45 yards, a touchdown. Roman Hemby, Middle River's finest, five rushes, 26 yards, and a touchdown. Colby McDonald, who we saw get some work late on in the year, four rushes, 36 yards, one touchdown. This gives me a lot of hope for this running back core and what it looks like for the future because there were a lot of question marks as to what this was going to be. We saw Isaiah Jacobs leave and enter the transfer portal. We saw the other uh, big guy, Kenny Boone. Penny Boone. Yeah, Antoine Littleton in this game, to me, was everything that Penny Boone should be. He was that big back, the guy that's going to take two or three guys to bring him down. He is a load coming through the middle at like 280 pounds. Yeah, 45 yards is a surprise to me. I thought he would have had more than that. He seemed to be all over the field. It was so exciting cheering for, for Antoine Littleton. The this thing game. with this, he'd get hit at the two, you know, after a two-yard gain, but and then he'd drag him for more. another five or six yards <laughs> yeah. easily every time. It was like eight-yard gain every time he touched the ball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Antoine also, he's a guy who did a really good job of just trimming down his body um, and, and getting getting in shape, uh, kind of leading into the season and then obviously through the season to kind of prepare himself for, for an opportunity like this. But like you said, um, just for, for these younger guys you know, going into next year, like you said, you know, Colby McDonald, maybe you could make the argument is the most certain guy of the group. But uh, to know that those three are coming back with, with Fallon, obviously, uh, leading the way and then adding a guy uh, like four-star, uh, Roman Hem- or, uh, Ramon Brown, excuse me. Um, but like you said, just this, this freshman trio um, def- definitely looked really good. And, and Littleton, just for a guy like that, looks looks super light on his feet, and and uh, just to be able to pick up those yards after contact. Uh, that's that's exactly what Maryland needs. 
Absolutely. And then we obviously, we had some concerns with Talia, you know, sometimes like we've said multiple times when the spotlight gets big, he tends to, you know, kind of get a little nervous and he gets, he plays a little fast and sometimes he makes his mistakes. So I wasn't sure how he was going to look in this game. You know, this is his first bowl game uh, as a starting quarterback. Uh, you know, again, the importance surrounding this game, but I tell you, he had a hell of a game in this game. He's 20 of 24, 265 yards through the air, two touchdowns, no picks. He also had four carries for 42 yards. He ended up being the bowl game MVP. What did you see from Leah, and what do you like moving forward with him? Yeah, I mean, he just looks so confident, and I think just kind of the biggest thing um, is, uh, you know, I'll always go back to the Iowa game. Is kind of afterwards, you know, I, I, I made a point to say, you know, he needs to prove that that game is an outlier rather than the new trend. And I think, you know, obviously I think Ohio State, he had, you know, some struggles, and Michigan, he had some struggles. But I do think that Talia, did prove that that Iowa game was an outlier uh, in his season performance. When you look at the total picture now, um, you know, like you said, 20 of 24, 265 yards, two touchdowns, um, just looked super confident in that, uh, that, uh, that post route that, that he hit to Raheem Jarrett, yeah. um, just the connection that they have. I mean, he, you can tell that um, he has really good chemistry with his receiver. So um, no doubt, no com or no doubt in my mind that he'll, you know, remain confident and he'll put in the off season work to, to get his guys, and the, the, the kind of three down going into the next year's wide receiver room. Uh, but I just, I, I think you, you can continue to see uh, just the steps that he's taking. And, uh, you know, now he, he holds the single season record in completion, passing yards, and he tied Scott Milanovic for the uh, single season touchdown record. So, um, Unreal. you know, for, for, yeah, I mean, just, and, and just we're, that's overlooking the fact that we had a quarterback that started every single game in one season. So uh, I think Kalia is still a, much, much needed void in College Park. There's a certain somebody to my left here that wanted to sit Lee after his first start <laughs> a couple years ago. <laughs> He's, he has evolved. I'll give him that. He just, those first few, it wasn't pretty. Nobody nobody can deny that. Those uh, interceptions were jump balls. Yeah. Those were not bad throws. They were bad it, throws. it is what it is. He, he has had some bad games over the years. He he has he did blow up after, you know, in that Iowa game. That was the worst he quarter. He lost his boy. That was the worst quarter I've ever seen anyone play. Yeah. Uh, so, but he, but he has been very good throughout the whole year. I do think, like Fred said, that that Demas injury just—he was so far in his head thinking about that and forgetting about the football game. Which in that moment, it did feel bigger than football. And like we were, we were, we were mourning Demas's NFL yeah. career. In literally, that literally it mourning was. it in the middle of the game. Mind you, it's Friday Night Lights. They need to get rid of that shit at Terps <laughs> <laughs> Maryland Stadium. Maryland's like, yeah. Maryland's like the reason it came to the Big Ten. We're like, yeah, we'll play whatever you guys want us to. Put us on prime time. No, not Friday Night. <laughs> It's not for us. All right, let's switch over to the uh, defensive side of the ball. A couple of guys that have been our guys, you know, ever since they got here. Nick Cross, can't not talk about him in this game, was an absolute force when he was on the field because there were a lot of times Ryan's like, what the fuck's going on with Nick Cross? He's not on the field. They got Bo Braid out there. <laughs> that was the one player that, that, that Locks was sitting <laughs> a little too much for my liking. I'm like, that is your last resort. What are we doing? Now, this was, mind you, first half when it was still a game. Right. By the end of that third <laughs> quarter, I didn't care where Cross was at. He could be wherever he wanted to be. But in that second <laughs> quarter, I'm sitting there going, why in the world? And I didn't know that. I, I thought of that 70-yard bomb they connected on. He wasn't on the field. Ended up, they just were playing on the box that that possession i was like that's a strange place for him to be in that moment right but uh so he was definitely me the only person i was calling for constantly yeah i I think for me (laughs) the good thing was was we got to see a chance of the future you know bill braid is going to be the safety of the future once nick cross moves on whenever that's be what it'll be we'll talk about that here in a little bit hopefully we'll talk about it (laughs) uh but man on the field like i said in the opportunities that he had he obviously had the huge hit for a sack that led to the fumble and recovery by greg rose for a touchdown What's I mean? What's your take on Nick Cross? Not just in this game, man, but as his like overall prospect for the NFL. Do you think this guy is going to end up leaving, or you think he stays? Yeah, I mean, I think you know he's he's kind of proven a lot, and like you said, you know, been able to play in the box a little bit, and kind of pretty much paid dividends on that sack that ended up leading to a fumble, the Gregor's touchdown. I definitely think that um, you know there's a I would say more realistic chance uh, that he stays. Maybe that window opens up a little bit. I think the ultimate decision ends up being NFL. Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I'd say definitely him and, and Jacorian Bennett are, are the two biggest names right now up in the air. Right. Uh, but Nick Cross, uh, like, like you said, I mean, I think a guy like him, if he leaves, uh, he, he, he will measure, uh, excuse me, he'll, he'll test out very well at the combine and likely improve his stock even more. But um, so I do think that, that, that side, that aspect of his, the potential for him to jump on board 
um, is known from Nick's side. Uh, so I do think that, that there is a, a realistic chance that we've seen the last of him as a Maryland Terrapin. But um, like you said, if that if that's his last game, then um, you know he, he definitely left it all out there. Only yeah. finished the three tackles, but just a guy that you know he he's made strides and the athleticism was always there through his three years. But um, just the IQ and and all, even off the field as a leader for this locker room has definitely been a, a vital piece on the defensive side. Yeah, that play was amazing, man. If you follow us on at Shell and Tell Pod, you already know this, but we do play of the game every week. We do yeah. offense and defensive player. I couldn't decide on the play of the game this week. They were both too good, so I gave it to both Tariq Stills punt return <laughs> and Nick Cross's strip sack fumble with Greg Rose connecting for the touchdown. On that one. <laughs> I, I said, you know why not? Why decide appetizer dessert? The game's so sweet. So right. I, and I think that they both were very deserving. They were both unbelievable plays. I had already turned to Fred. I think it was the like middle of the third quarter and said, all we need now is a defensive score so when that was the final score of the game we celebrated like no other even though the game was completely in hand and it was over it felt like the complete package like we had seen the maryland masterpiece put in front right. of us absolutely and another guy that we can't go without mentioning guy that you've been very high on since before he was ever even a terp uh, obviously Ruben Hippolyte had a huge impact another guy that has shown strides and growth you know one of the things that I was a little critical on Ruben is you see the the tackle the the tackle production drop from when Chance Campbell was here to Ruben as his replacement. You weren't seeing those double digit tackles year in, you know, week in and week out. Watch that seen old miss game. Chance had the very first tackle of the game and my whole heart was like, Man, I missed Chance. Yeah. I love Ruben. He's gonna be great and he was the defensive player of the game with twelve tackles this yeah. time. Uh only four solo, but man, he was all over the field. You know, sideline yeah. to sideline complete rocket ship which is what we said he had the he had the speed you know even when we back in the day we talked to ellis like he said the kid's got all the athletic skill in the world he just needs to get the head right know where he's running before he runs there right. instead of just taking off uh, and he's getting to that point i think i think that those weeks of practice really helped what's your take on ruben Abin? yeah i mean like you guys said i, I agree and i think you know kind of with him moving to that full-time starter role this year and just with the uh the the, the will linebacker spot Kind of going through some some injury uh, depth concerns through the season. Uh, I think Ruben definitely had to shoulder a little bit more of the load, and uh, for him to kind of come out like you said, he was all over the field. I did think it was pretty interesting that he didn't end up uh, starting. Uh, I believe it was CJ Kautai that ended up drawing that first snap. But uh, ever since that second series, uh, Hippolyte played a lot, um, pretty much I think consistently uh, throughout every series. Um, but again, just a guy that he'll next year, he's going to be that captain of the defense, kind of yep. that, that leader uh, on and off the field. So, um, he's been a guy that's been ad- as advertised uh, with his work ethic. And I think you're where Maryland fans are starting to see the production side of it uh, a little bit more. And I think next year, um, you know, he'll have a chance to declare after next year. And I think that's kind of in the back of his mind. So, uh, with, with a chance to put the bow on, on, on a strong season. Uh, I think he'll he'll definitely continue to take strides going into spring and then fall. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see his growth. It's just it's like you said, it's improved not just year over year that he's been here, but week after week, game after game, he's looked more complete player. The game's kind of slowing down for him. So I'm excited for next year. I know for sure we're at least getting one more year out of Ruben. So that excites me. Uh, but we got to talk about it, man. We mentioned a few of these names. The next phase for the Terps is basically roster overhaul. Uh, you got transfer portal departures and arrivals. You got the guys that are deciding whether or not they're going to, you know, take their NFL chances or whatnot. Couple of guys for the NFL that have already made their decisions. We know tight end Chigakonkwo. He is going to be going to the NFL. Uh, one of our favorites, one of my favorites, uh, Sam O announced earlier yesterday, the former Juco to Maryland to now NFL prospect, third team, all big 10 this season, 55 tackles, eight and a half for loss, six sacks. Sam O was a difference maker on this defensive line, an underrated guy that not a whole lot of people talked about to grow from where he was to NFL prospect is huge for this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely big. And, you know, Sam O, he was, he was one of two players, him and Sam Davis, that um, exhausted their eligibility. But when you look at Sam O and just the prospect that he was coming into Maryland versus the prospect that he leaves leaving Maryland, um, definitely a, a, a picture-perfect uh, development plan for the Maryland staff to be able to pitch to other potential impact guys. And then to have Sam O um, just completely elevate his draft stock to where he's most likely a day three selection now, possibly day two. Uh, Maryland was able to play him a lot more in space against Virginia Tech in that bowl win. 
Um, so definitely a guy that he was a big, big piece, was probably uh, the, the biggest piece along that defensive line all season. Um, and then you look at a guy like Chig at, at the tight end position. Um, you know, we, we forget that Maryland pretty much avoided the, the tight end uh, under Walt Bell, the DJ Durkin yeah. era. So to, to have that tight end back, the receiving threat, and especially for a guy like Chig who shouldered the load and ended up being uh, a really vital piece in the passing attack once Deshaun Jones and Dante Demas went down, um, definitely, definitely big. Um, and it's a win for Maryland because at the end of the day, you, you want those players to go to the NFL, do well. You want more players in the league. So um, Maryland ha- has some has some pieces to replace both of them, but both of them more, more than deserving to uh, continue on with their uh, football football careers. That's really great news I heard you say in the day three to possibly day two because in my head I was it was a day three to possibly UDFA. I knew that he would get on a team somewhere, but I, that's more of the way I was leaning. So you really think it's, it's more of the day two, day three uh, scenario? I would say definitely, like, day three is definitely a safe bet. But, I mean, I think he's a guy that could impress a little bit more, mm-hmm. maybe maybe solidify his draft stock, if not uh, move up a little bit more once he tests and things like that. Um, That's I great. He, 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 he does move pretty well. Um, so I think that, that'll be something to watch. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think kind of coming into this year, I didn't know if he would be drafted, but I do think that uh, he has a very, very good chance of getting drafted now. Yeah, I mean, the beauty part about him is that you can line him up anywhere on the defensive line. You can line him up at zero technique all the way out to nine technique if you need to. He's a very versatile defensive lineman, and I think a lot of NFL draft scout, uh, scouts will see that at the, at the combine. I think another thing that you got to look at yep. from from the perspective, you know, if you're trying to look at a guy that is not necessarily not a full project like an undrafted free agent might be, but a guy that might be a little bit of a, a project just getting him to the NFL live level. This guy's coachable. He went from from being a JUCO athlete yep. to being in the Big Ten and performing at a high level yeah. in the Big Ten. So I think it just goes to show you that this kid's coachable. And you're going to have some NFL teams that are going to look at that. And to that point, especially with this draft not being, you know, quarterback, very quarterback heavy, they're going to be looking at some of these defensive players that maybe could have some disruption on some of these mobile quarterbacks. And this guy might be one of those guys. Absolutely. It's really a great point. All right, so we got to look at the guys that are sadly leaving, but you know, we always knew that this was a possibility with a lot of these guys, and this is just part of the prospects. You know, when you have better talent coming in, you got limitations on scholarships, it's just part of the process. Uh, one of the names, we'll start at the quarterback position. One of the names we weren't sure what was how it was going to shake out. Reese Yudinsky, he had super one. expected, super hurtful. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's hurtful to not have that insurance policy behind Leah, uh, but he's only got one year of eligibility left. So he wants to go out there and play. He wants to be an impact player, which he can be. I mean, Ahmed, you've talked about Reese in, in, in previous episodes that we've done and the talent that he's shown on the practice field. Uh, but yep. this is a guy that's going to go to Richmond and I think do big things there. Yeah, he'll reunite with uh, former VMI offensive coordinator Billy Kosh, uh, where uh, obviously Udinsky played uh, with Kosh at, at VMI uh, before enrolling at Maryland. So uh, I definitely think he'll be able to go in, proclaim that starting job. And, uh, you know, he, he was a guy that came into Maryland with an NFL draft grade. So I think he's the guy that will be able to, uh, re, 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 uh, I guess, uh, um, emphasize that once more and remind NFL scouts what he's capable of doing. Um, like you said, he wants to play in that last year. So completely understandable with Leah coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we know with all the signing day names that we mentioned with wide receivers coming in, we had a bunch of names coming in and a lot of guys that I was thinking, how the hell are these guys going to ever see the field with all the wide receivers that we potentially could have in come back? Well, we got our answer as we ended up losing four wide receivers to the transfer portal. Uh, we'll start with the senior guys, wide receiver Carlos Car- uh, Carrier, Brian Cobbs, Daryl Jones, all gone. Uh, those were guys I think that were expected. Again, same situation. They're not going to see a whole lot of playing time here, want to get playing time as much as they can in their last year of eligibility and going elsewhere. They all gave us one exciting game to just like, <laughs> just wonder what if. Like, right. if, if, if this would have been, you know, without the Carlos Carrier game versus Indiana, without the Daryl Jones in the bowl game, we'd just been like, okay, have a good day. You know, see you guys later. But now there's just enough to give you that, oh man, it kind of hurts a little bit, but we have plenty of talent. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, like you said, all, all three of those guys, they were seniors, so uh, they had that extra year to be able to play elsewhere. And I think if you look at, you know, Carlos Carrier and Brian Cobb, you could definitely mention that, you know, those are probably the two that would have been most likely to return with Cobb, just given how impactful he is in the locker room. Uh, right. They may be more likely, but um, like you said, just all, all of them 
could potentially uh, go elsewhere, maybe to a group of five school and, uh, you know, secure a starting spot with uh, Dante Dimas, Deshaun Jones, Jacob Copeland coming back, Marcus Fleming, um, and then obviously some of the younger guys. Uh, it's un- understandable to, to see some of these older guys look, look elsewhere. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way the recruiting game works. When you get some of these big, young, talented guys, you got to promise them pay- playing time. And some, unfortunately, there's only so many starting wide receiver spots. So, unfortunately, you got to cut the bait somewhere. And these are guys that are going to get better opportunities and more catches at another program. Yeah, well, you mentioned young. We did have an underclassman enter the transfer yeah. portal. We do have Nick DeGenero. This one's more it's hurtful for us just because we just had so much hope. Like yeah. it, he didn't get to show anything. He had the injury most of this year. Um, but we just really saw just like this grit and like toughness and just kind of wanted to see what this guy could do. Never really was given a chance. Nick DeGenero enters the transfer portal. Again, I maybe it's just just too crowded. Yeah. He also he missed a good amount of time this season, was pretty much unavailable because he had a yeah, he had a, I believe it was either a broken hand or a broken finger, but he had a club on. Um, I remember even going to a couple of practices midway through conference play, and he's out there with a club on trying to catch balls, run routes, things like that. And I even <laughs> mentioned it to someone, how, how the hell are you wide receiver with a club trying to catch it? <laughs> so uh, that, that definitely, definitely hindered his chance to get on the field this year. But um, like you said, just, just with some of these, uh, young, uh, these veterans coming back next year, and obviously with Copeland coming back, um, I think a guy like Nick DeGenero, uh, there's there's maybe one or two more that maybe the path to, to playing time next year isn't as likely. And, you know, you saw a guy like Ty Felton really taking some of yeah. those uh, smaller reps uh, that possibly Nick DeGenero could have taken. But I do think it's kind of interesting because even coming out of high school, the, the buzz about him with, with the Maryland staff was that they really liked him. They thought he was uh, very underrated given his speed out of the spot. So um, I, I think I think you definitely have speed guys like, you know, maybe Marcus Fleming in the room. Uh, but uh, he'll he'll be able to uh, find a spot where he can he can definitely shine. Absolutely, it's a, like you said, hurtful. He's got four years of eligibility, so he'll he'll sign on somewhere and he'll end up being an impact player wherever he goes. He's got a lot of grit, got a lot of determination, the work ethic behind him. He just is unquestioned. So I think he'll be successful. Uh, I think one of the names that was a little bit surprising to me that left offensive lineman Evan Gregory. I didn't hear any rumblings about him potentially leaving, and it hurts, you know, obviously not having that depth there. It's a lot of size. Uh, we do have some pieces coming in, some freshmen. I don't know how many that are going to be ready to play and fill in that kind of depth right away, uh, but that's a big piece to lose, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it was kind of interesting just because, you know, when you look uh, at, at Nick, or excuse me, at uh, Evan Gregory when he was coming out of DeMatha, um, I mean, he was he was a mauler at, at, for the, out of the WCAC. Um, so you definitely expected him to come in and maybe even after a season or two, uh, definitely expect him to get into the two deep. And I coming into this year, I thought he kind of had that opportunity to, you know, be similar to an Ellis McKenney where he's that swing guy where he could uh, fill in for, for a guard if there's an injury or fill in at center uh, in a pinch. Um, so I thought that he kind of had that opportunity to play this year. And uh, obviously, you know, you saw DJ Glaze at, playing both left and right tackle at times this year. He saw yeah. a little bit of Amelia Moran lining up at guard. So I think if, if, if he was going to crack the, the rotation, it was going to be this year. So, um, you know, I kind of mentioned on the site, you know, a lot of people that I expected to leave were, were the guys that maybe the past to playing time wasn't um, as viable uh, going into next year. And, you know, Gregory, like you, like Ryan, you said, you know, he's got plenty of size, local guy, uh, never gets in trouble. Great kid you want to have in your program, but um, just, just, Definitely have some other guys on the roster right now. So, uh, wishing the best of luck. Yeah, a couple guys that uh, we knew were on their way out. Just want to recap because we did get an update over the last couple of days as to where they're going. Guy, we were kind of shockers on both of them. Well, uh, yeah, shockers on where they're going. Uh, I know we we're still holding on to a little hope with one of them. Brandon Jennings, linebacker, uh, ends up leaving and going to Kansas State, which is a little bit of a shocker to me. Now, the other At linebacker, least it was Indiana, which was the rumor, <laughs> right? Yeah, to go yeah. with his brother. Uh, the other linebacker, Terrence Lewis. Now, I know he's from Florida, but there was a lot of rumors that he could potentially be going in Miami, which was heavily recruiting him when he was coming out of high school. Ends up going to the state of Florida, but ends up going to University of Central Florida. Were you surprised with Lewis going there? Um, I I was surprised. I, I didn't think that he was going to go to a big-time program, honestly. So um, I think that a guy like Terrence Lewis just has to find the, the right atmosphere, the right mentality, and things need to click, and, and then it'll work. Um, so I think I think a fresh start is definitely definitely was something I was expecting, um, but uh, not sure not sure I was expecting UCS. So 
I will definitely definitely have an eye on where he lines up and and ends up in the uh, in the two deep going into next year. Okay. Well, with the departures, uh, there are arrivals, right? The transfer portal isn't just an out. It's also an in. We can add guys through this, this process. Uh, you know, obviously we talked about the class that's coming in of, of incoming freshmen, but we have gotten a couple of names, uh, that we've talked a little bit about on the show, but just to recap, uh, we are getting linebacker Vendarius Cowan from West Virginia. This was a former top 100 and top five linebacker recruit. He originally signed with Alabama. He had ties with Loxley then, uh, was a local guy, uh, played a lot outside though. Uh, when he went to West Virginia, he's more of an inside guy from what I've heard though. Right. Is that right? Ahmed? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely projects as more of an inside guy. Usually, excuse me, uh, probably a Mike linebacker from Maryland, okay. uh, but yeah, he, he fits in that inside spot. And he, he mentioned, we did an interview with him and he mentioned just that the role that he had at West Virginia just didn't fit him best. So, Getting out and, and a lot of the, after a lot of the, the defensive coaches left, uh, just finding a spot where he fits into that defensive scheme mattered most. So uh, a lot of familiarity there. Merrill needs inside linebacker, so just kind of a perfect match. Then we got wide receiver Jacob Copeland also came from Florida University. He was their leading receiver this year, so yeah. it, it, nothing it doesn't hurt there to add to that loaded receiver core. We should be bringing back. Not not at all. That's that's a that's a pretty big piece. He left Florida because uh, of lack of consistent targets. So I think it'll be kind of interesting to watch next year. Um, you know, we're not sure how, how many games Demas ends up playing as right. he comes back from injury. But have a guy like Deshaun Jones. So I uh, do think it'll that'll be interesting to watch. But not to uh, mention Rakim no Jarrett. He, <laughs> yeah, he 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 has the talent to to definitely elevate the room. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm excited for the wide receiver core. And I'll be honest with you, from what I saw. From Dante Demas on the sideline in the pinstripe bowl, I didn't see any crutches. I didn't see any braces. So I don't know. I'm kind of hopeful. I think Dante Demas comes back sooner than expected, but we'll see. I mean, I'm not putting my chickens before they hatch, but we'll see what happens with him. Getting a piece like Copeland to be able to come in and make an impact right away, I think is big for this wide receiver core. Uh, but those are the only two officially that have come in. Any names that Locks and Co. are keeping an eye on that might excite some Terp fans? Yeah, I, right now, I think, um, you know, obviously, Caleb Williams, he, he entered the transfer portal. Uh, on Monday. <laughs> you went there. Uh, I didn't. I was going to wait and see if you did. <laughs> oh, I, I was just I was just setting the stage. But, yeah, I mean, he was he definitely – I think the expectation was the transfer portal is going to ramp up next next week. But I think with Caleb Williams entering uh, yesterday, I think you're going to start seeing some domino effects. Mario Williams is a guy that transferred out of Oklahoma, um, and Oklahoma already added uh, Dylan Gabriel, who's a quarterback there. So. There could potentially be some domino uh, uh, domino uh, impact coming out of uh, Norman. Uh, wide receiver Julio Farouk is going to be the biggest name. Yeah. Not sure that I see Aaron Park, Anton Harrison. Uh, both of them are tackles for the Sooners. I'm not sure I see them entering the transfer portal. Um, I posted a couple of defensive names uh, preferred inside the black and gold subscribers um, to watch on the defensive side of the ball. And then cornerback and quarterback are going to be the two biggest needs. And uh, quarterback, I don't really see too many concrete developments as of now uh, that could very much change that expected to change possibly by the end of the week, if not by early next week. Uh, but uh, right now the standing pat, there's not a huge, huge need and, and uh, uh, feeling that they need to rush and, and secure portal commitments right now. Um, so just scouring the market, uh, definitely some pre-existing relationships that Maryland's just, you know, going back on things like that. Uh, but, uh, but so, so far, um, you know, so far, so good. Are we even allowed to take commitments right now since we're still over the roster limit? Like, we haven't had enough yeah, people leave? Yeah, because, I mean, there's the, the, the staff still has a pretty good idea of some guys that could potentially be leaving. I mean, there are guys, you know, like you know, like Jacorian Bennett, Nick Cross, you know, like those are guys that you know, they could leave. Uh, so so if they do leave, that could obviously change things. So, you know, Loxley, Loxley, you know, they, they have their contingency plans. Guys, you know, if, if if they leave, you know, here are three names that we want at safety or corner, things like that. So, um, you know, you can you can definitely check, uh, reach out, um, just set the expectation on both sides, and then kind of go from there. So you've mentioned Nick Cross and Jordan Bennett multiple times, but I haven't heard you say Mosley. Should I start, just get off my <laughs> pedestal and he's not coming back? I should start mourning already. No, I I think Jordan Mosley. I've actually predicted. I think that he's going to end up coming back. He's just That's a super huge. super quiet guy. Um, I think he will, and I think Jordan Mosley uh, is probably the most uh, likely between him and Nick Cross to return, um, and I think that'll be a big piece because I'm really comfortable, and I really like the tandem of Bo Braid and Dante Trader back there. 
Uh, but just to have a guy with a little bit more experience on the back end uh, would definitely help. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, it, it kind of all, all this stuff pretty much changes. <laughs> feels like feels like changes daily. But uh, as, as of now, I definitely, definitely expect Jordan Mosley back next year. Sorry, so, John um, Googs out here. Imagine Caleb with Demas and Copeland, Jarrett and Jones. Let's imagine Leah with these boys. It's going to be great either way. <laughs> yeah, let me, I mean, my God, Caleb Williams looks like Superman out there. He was everything we thought he was going to be. Yeah. So sure, but but come on, it's going to be great I, either way. Let's not hold hold on to start preaching out there and get Leah mad and have him. That's leave what us. I was going to say. Loxley <laughs> has worked so hard at building his reputation up here and building the 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 just the image of the program, what it's going to be. He's been very loyal to his guys. Leah is obviously one of his guys. As great as Caleb would be, I just don't think that that's anywhere near reality for Maryland. There's so much. Be- Beyond, there for beyond the money. I was going to say the money is a yeah. whole other factor. Uh, so that's a pipe yeah. dream, a pipe dream. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. And then, and, and the NIL stuff is just really just changed the, the whole dynamic, whole outlook uh, of, of God's football. But um, I have no doubt that Loxley is, and the staff are going to reach out and, and talk to the people in Caleb Williams camp. Um, that's just, you know, there's, there's no way that you're not going to just monitor. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, a lot of those guys are local, they're friends, things like that. So even when you're checking on other guys, there's there's going to be overlap. But um, like you said, we got to remember that uh, Caleb Williams uh, pretty much told Maryland no, and then Talia came to Maryland, and that that yep. all all right. happened. So um, exactly. the Leah stuff was was kind of all happening well before he he transferred to Maryland behind the scenes. So um, I do think I just think that that with Leah here, I just don't see Caleb being re- realistic with Maryland. Yep. So um, we'll see. This NIL stuff, man, we got to hope Port Covington does awfully well. Everybody get down there and volunteer your free time and play security guard. Buy your Under Armour stocks. Do what we can because we need a lot of help in this NIL race. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it is Absolutely. Well, some names that we know for sure are staying for one final ride. We mentioned Dante Demas. He's going to be coming back. We don't know when, but he is back. Uh, two cogs on that offensive line, which Huge. makes me happy. I think makes Leah very happy. Uh, uh, Jahari Branch announced that he's going to be returning. Also, Jalen Duncan, who I think had obviously the most pro prospect, uh, a potential of leaving. He's returning. That's huge because this offensive line grew so much as a group. Uh, obviously, didn't have knock on wood, didn't have any issues with injuries this year. So they got a lot of time to gel and work together. All that's going to do is improve for next year. I'm really happy to see these two guys coming back. Yeah, I am shocked. I was shocked to, to see Jalen Duncan because he was he was definitely the guy that I was uh, most expecting to, to declare for the NFL. Jahari, um, I thought there would be a chance, but I thought that um, you know with him being able to start every single game uh, through his two years at Maryland, he, he'd have a chance, a strong chance to get drafted in the, at the next level. But um, you know, I was talking about it with one contact. Uh, just when you think back and, and look at the strength and, and the, the the talent returning, the experience on both sides of the ball. Um, it's really impressive, and it's. Uh, I'm not sure Maryland's had a, an offensive defensive line like this uh, probably in 10, 15 years. But uh, when definitely when you think about just taking that next step, I mean Maryland even went from allowing four sacks to three sacks a game uh, from 2020 to 2021. Uh, and so then when you add a guy like uh, obviously Jalen Duncan uh, locking down the blind side again, have DJ Glaze coming back, and then Jahari Branch with all that experience, uh, leaning working with Eric Harris all off season. Um, that's a huge, huge, two huge pieces uh, for for offensive line coach Brian Braswell. I can't remember the last time we had a whole line come back together. I can't. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's happened at some point, but I don't yeah. remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now on the other side of the line, on the defensive side, a name that I was happy to see come back, a guy that you know, if you look at the stat board, you know, nothing's going to wow you about the stat board, but he was a key cog in the middle he of the defensive hurt, like, line. All year. But he played through so many of those injuries and still showed up, you know, and, and was, it was, again, it was a very important piece. Ami Finau is returning, 40 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble. Again, not a whole lot of stats to wow you, but his impact on that defensive line can't go measured. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And like he, like Ryan said, I mean, he was really hurt all year, him and Nokite, um, and played through it week in, week out. Um, it's a lot of practice time to, so they could rehab from those injuries. Um, but just a really big piece, and I think, like you said, you watch this. You watch the film, um, and it shows you a different different perspective on Ami than, than the stats would show. Um, so I think again, it's a really big piece. And then I I looked back to a couple weeks ago when Moxie mentioned. Uh, I think it was 
when he was asked about Dante Dimas, uh, he, he referenced Sam O's development from 2020 to 2021 as reason why a lot of these seniors who have an opportunity to return will end up returning because some of these guys who might be fringe NFL prospects, they have a chance to come back, solidify their stock, and, and then definitely either go from uh, undrafted to third round or day three, day three to day two. So uh, definitely, definitely a big piece. Um, and like I said, just with that returning talent along the defensive line, um, just can never, will always be appreciating college park. Absolutely. And like I said before, and I've said many times, it starts and it ends with trench play. Like you can have all the skill players you want on the offensive side of the ball, but if you don't have like time to get rid of the ball, <laughs> you don't have time to make those reads. Leah is not as successful as he was this year. Uh, so again, Having the continuity on the offensive line and defensive line is huge for this team. It's an exciting time to be a Terps fan, football squad fan. Maybe the tide is switching. Maybe we're a football school now, Ryan, we're and a not a basketball school. Baby. school. Maybe that, that's I, actually happening. We'll see. I thought it was a hell of a bowl game, man. For being a 6-6 six and six squad, that trophy was amazing looking. Yeah. The, the experience the players got to have looked absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. With you, look at the trophy up there above Scott's head. Right. It's unbelievable. I, our experience was great. We uh we went up to Caroline's on Broadway and yeah. saw Dave Attell. Can you think about a, a more New York thing to do than to see <laughs> Dave Attell at yeah. the Comedy Club? We had an absolute blast up there, man. Yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to go up to New York. You know, it's right, you know, three-hour drive up the road or bus ride up the road if you don't want to drive around there. Uh, had a great time. Like you said, I think the, the kids just were super excited. A lot of these kids had never played in a bowl game before. Actually, none of them, I don't think, had ever played in a bowl game before. Uh, and that came across, you know, in the game itself and their performance. But then the after celebration. the game, the celebration, man, it, just the excitement of the signature from Anthony Pecorelli. He's shaking like a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan went into full fanboy mode to get the signature and everything. Uh, it, it was cool. Hey, he man. was the I, only guest we had that I had no signature from. So, what, what in person, to, I grabbed it. What a like to see you down on the field. I didn't know if you ever even got a chance to get out of the press box. Did you get down on the field or what? Uh, I did not. I, I was pretty much in press box the whole time. And we had uh, uh, the, the, the press box is actually outdoors. So oh, every, okay. every 10, 15 minutes, I was pretty much going in the back room. And I think at halftime, I was transcribing back there. But they actually, the Yankees, shout out to the Yankees. I never thought I'd see those, that, that <laughs> word because they had a full on buffet. I mean, we, we're talking like to beef we're talking stuff shells um just it was like an absolute uh just you could you could have anything you want they had burgers hot dogs everything um it that's was awesome just, uh, it was it was it was pretty wild but yeah it was pretty much press box and then uh just a press conference and then i, I unfortunately had my bus at uh Eighteen, so uh, I was right on out of there. Oh, I have to send you a picture because speaking of buffets, Ryan and I also had a buffet experience. We literally got a bucket of chicken tenders and, and a pound of French fries. <laughs> Five pounds. Each. Of we each got one. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was, it was insane. I, I split I, I, mine with my that. father, but Fred housed his. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have never seen something like that on a menu. I'm the guy that's like, they've got this ridiculous burger on a menu that nobody in their world is going to eat. I got to order it just Let's to see, see it. it, to see it on a plate. That's how this bucket was. It was literally you're the, you're the guy that does the 72 ounce steak. Challenge. 100%. Yeah. If there's a way I can get my picture on the wall for eating a 72 ounce steak, I'm doing it. That's just me. You don't get this big by eating a three ounce steak. No. Big Texan, by the way. That's a restaurant. Go there. <laughs> All right. But we did yeah, mention. I'm a- Go ahead. I'm going to need to see that picture. I will. I'll send it over to you. Uh, well, we did mention basketball, so we got to talk a little bit about that. We'll be quick on this. Uh, as they did end up playing their first road game uh, last night against Iowa in the Big Ten. Didn't go well. They ended up losing 80-75. to 75. Uh, It wasn't all bad. Uh, they're now 8-5 and five on the year, 0-2 in the Big Ten. It was a, a football school. It was a pretty good game until the end. Uh, they cut the lead down to two with 10 seconds left, but they just – you know, Iowa's made their free throws, so they couldn't get over the hump. Uh, what I liked about this, I mean, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this game or not, but what I liked about this game were the adjustments that Danny Manning made in this game, especially defensively. I mean, they switched from a 3-2 to a 2-3 zone, half-court press, man-to-man. I love the in-game adjustments. This is something that we didn't see a whole lot of during the Turge era, uh, so I, I personally like that. I don't know what your take is on it. Yeah, exactly that. I thought just coming out of that under 12 timeout, I think at that point it was 24-15 or 24-12. But really just from then on, it was just a complete different ball game. I think that was the first time this year that I saw Maryland become 
a good defensive team against. Yeah, we got to remember Iowa was the number one score or number two scoring team in the country, right? Um, and then uh, Keegan Murray was the NCAA's leading scorer, and obviously Maryland didn't do enough to stop Keegan Murray. No. But to, to limit to limit uh, the Iowa like that, I think when Maryland was coming back, Iowa was shooting one of seven, uh, three of their last ten, two of their last twelve. I mean, it was just there were definitely just uh, consistent stretches throughout the game where Iowa's half court offense was just uh, out of rhythm. So I think just seeing that out of Maryland. Uh, obviously, and despite the losing effort, I thought that was uh, the, the biggest point of optimism moving forward. Yeah, to your point, Keegan Murray, I mean, this is a guy that's given everybody fits. I mean, he's a high NBA draft prospect. I think he's, he's a lottery insane. pick. He's 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 the real deal. I think he scored 35 and 8 in this game. I mean, he had a huge, huge game. Uh, so, like I said, Terps, you know, I, I don't know what to think of this year. I, I'm not, like... I'm not holding on to tournament hopes or anything. I just want to see improvement from this squad. I want to see if they are going to end up keeping Danny Manning, that he can do the things that we want him to do. We want to see that he can make these types of adjustments. All the things that we kind of harped on Turgeon for not being able to do, he needs to be able to do those things. And in this game specifically, it looked good to me. James has got a comment. Go ahead, James. Just real quick. Danny Manning is just a band-aid right I now. I think he is. And the I reason think he why, is. he had his shot at Wake Forest, and he didn't He yeah. didn't do anything down there. He's not going to do anything for the Terps. He's just a fill-in right now. I and agree. I was a little disappointed that in this game, they didn't go into the inside, um, to the centers. Um, what's Mahab. his face? Mahab. Mahab. He was five for six. and Just keep on feeding him. The yeah, turnovers were a problem, as John Goog said. He, he kept putting the ball down on... Uh, Below his waist, he's seven foot tall. He ends up being three just foot tall. Just catch the ball, the ball high back. and keep the ball above everybody. It's like you look like a child, <laughs> but, yeah, but just he was, put it away. He was putting some points, and you got to keep doing it. But he's he seems to be more coachable because there's no way they're not telling him this in every well, film Danny study. Danny Manning's another big guy. He should be working with him. You know, yeah, and I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. What's your take on everything, Ahmed? Yeah, I mean, I think I I, I kind of agree with you. I, I thought kind of coming into this year, I thought maybe Kudis was a little bit more athletic. I mean, he just looked looked very uh, at, at times, and yeah, I think he's kind of struggled through this first half of the year, um, really against the, these athletic big men, and that's why Julian Reese has been able to play so much. But up right. these last two games, he's, he's kind of been uh, running into some foul trouble that's, that's limited him a little bit. But um, I agree. Uh, but I did notice that I believe it was the the last six field goals or the last three field goals for Maryland, six points um, did come in the paint, um, and I do think that Maryland did. Tried to tried to emphasize those paint touches. I know that's been something that Danny Manning just kind of emphasized since he's taken over. Get to the paint, get to the free throw line. Um, so I do think that that Maryland started to do that a little bit better. Uh, but um, I, I I've expected a little bit more uh, attitudeus uh, than I've seen so far. But uh, think think he flashed a little bit. But you just you need a little bit more consistency inside. Right. Well, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, Thursday, they go on the road, stay on the road. Uh, they go into Illinois, and we know the the or the challenges that Illinois presents to this team. So we'll see what happens, man. Again, I just want to see improvement week in and week out, and let the chips kind of fall where they may at the end of the year. Uh, but for you know, before we let you go, I, I wanted to get your take on this because we had talked about Jalen uh, Sticks and his NBA career thus far, and the the Suns kind of potentially giving up on him and not picking up his third-year option and all that stuff. Well, he has been playing, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but in the NBA these last couple of games, he has been playing like a man possessed. Last four games, 16 points per game, 10.5 rebounds a game, 1.3 blocks per game. He is everything that he was here as a, you know, as a junior player with when he was playing with uh, Bruno. What's what's the change for sticks? Is it just that it's clicking? You think? Yeah, and I think a guy like him, um, and that's kind of maybe what the what Maryland fans realized when he was drafted tenth overall is that that may may have been a little bit high, and I think that kind of sets this the, the maybe maybe unrealistic expectations because when you look at a guy like sticks, uh, even if you look at his freshman sophomore transformation, he was able to take that step. So um, when you look at Smith, uh, obviously this year, obviously the NBA is being ravaged with uh, COVID absences, things like that. So a guy like Smith, a guy like Aaron Wiggins, um, it's a chance for them to really step up and take advantage of the opportunity. And, you know, Jalen Smith did exactly that. Um, definitely, definitely rewatched the video maybe a hundred times of him dunking on uh, <laughs> the, the, the Plumlee. Yeah. Um, we'll always, 
will always uh, love some uh, some some Duke anti Duke content, right? But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Jalen, it's it's I think he's doing a good job of of showcasing himself for the for next season. Obviously, the Suns have already made the decision. Now they can go back uh, and decide to pick up that team option. I know there's a deadline. I don't know what that date is, uh, but they I do believe still have that opportunity to change their mind. But um, yeah, I mean, it's good for him. Obviously, in year three, you want to see a guy like him take that next step. So, right. Um, he's now what a year or two away from getting that first contract. So yep. um, we we shall see. So, but uh, definitely, definitely uh, uh, good good to see out of Jalen. I'd really like to see uh, not only that dunk, but also when he, the guy tried to posterize him and he put up that huge block yeah. right at the rim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, both sides of the court doing that. Not to mention Aaron Wiggins also yeah. playing really well in the NBA. It's been it's been a good month for Terps in the NBA for sure. It has for sure. It has. Ahmed, man, appreciate you taking the time to join us here tonight yeah, on the first Birdland live BS show. show. <laughs> it's a little different, but uh, I think it worked out good, man. And uh, we'll get together over the next couple of weeks and, and put together another podcast for sure. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me. Fun segment. So uh, appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. I'll send you that picture here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Y'all take care. All right, man. You too. Well, guys, I hope you really enjoyed our first live uh, option with the three amigos, Fred, Ahmed, Ryan on Birdland BS live show Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. I'm sure we'll be doing this again in the future, having Ahmed call in. It's kind of nice knocking out two birds with one stone. We usually record Birdland BS and then come bring do shell and tell later in the week. Uh, the next segment I'm going to bring you guys is from our after hours. Uh, after hours. Gets a little bit more risque. Uh, it's the very end of our show. It's late at night. You know, we've been hanging out, and it's more of a casual conversation. So I will, I will warn the the language gets a little colorful. Uh, if uh, if four letter words don't work out for you, this might be the end of your experience. But some really fun stories about um, our trip to New York City and all the things that went on there, uh, as well as just some interesting just normal college football takes that came up later in the show so i thought you guys might enjoy it as long as your ears can handle the language uh do apologize i think we got a little bit uh excited talking about vacation this time around um so i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you stick around and i hope you um keep following shell and tell give us likes reviews follows anything you can do would really be appreciated the reviews especially on apple Podcasts, google play that kind of thing really helps us Get the word out. Super cool meeting fans in New York City uh, that knew about the show. Um, met a couple of fans that actually said they came over with Ahmed. Thank you, Ahmed, for expanding our brand um, to, to a whole new group of Maryland fans and really getting the word out here. Uh, so hope you guys enjoy uh, the After Hours segment from Birdland BS. You can find them everywhere, Facebook, YouTube, anywhere you can do live streams, Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m., and all of their old shows are up as well. It's kind of like the uh, Sports Center of Baltimore. Um, enjoy. What are your thoughts on the, the whole thing of the players opting out of bowl games? Do you have a problem with it? Being such a college f- football fan, do you have a problem with it? Do you agree with Kirk? Do you do you disagree? Where do you stand? I get it for the most part. Um, like the Olave, the receiver for Ohio State that opted out of the Rose Bowl. Like it all. It all is player dependent because like if. The, Maryland got to the Rose Bowl next year. If anyone opted out, I would have a problem with it because of the the step up, like the opportunity to do this in that uh, that arena. But for Olave, it was a step down. He already right. played in a national championship Final Four, you know, tournament. He already played in these big. T- so the Rose Bowl was not his biggest best game ever. It was not even for most of the people on the team, and most likely any of the players that it was their biggest bowl ever will probably go to a bigger bowl in the next three years there at Ohio State. So it, it, it's really player and team dependent for me. I know it sounds like a homer that I'd be mad for a Maryland player there, but if Maryland was playing in national championships and then we went to the Rose it's, Bowl, I'd be totally fine with them skipping the Rose exactly Bowl. That's exactly right. It's, 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 it's very a different, different layer. Yeah. yeah. I, so to your point, like you said, if sending me from Alabama all of a sudden wasn't in a national championship game, but they were in a, still a prestigious bowl, if half the team wanted to sit out because half the team's going to the NFL, I would completely understand that because they've been in the national championship yeah, every year. If they're in yeah. a New Year's Six Bowl, just imagine if, if Alabama actually misses a playoff finally and the near six they're even playing a near six ball right it, they're still probably going to have every first round draft pick yep. set out because they're to them their season was a complete failure right because alabama it's 
national championship winner or, or, bust. Bust. or bust. Like they lose the national championship and they're disappointed in their year. Right. Like the, the level of stress. I don't want Maryland anywhere near that. That sounds terrible. Brittany, our friend that's an yeah. Alabama fan. I don't know how you live that way. There's never any like surpassing your expectations. Well, what are they going to do with Saban leaves? Getting eight <laughs> right. to 10 wins forever is Maryland and being happy getting, you know, where you end up better or worse. Like that's a better life for me than it is to be. We have to, win everything like the first loss of the year is devastating right that sounds yeah. terrible james, james what's your take on it <laughs> i don't know maybe because i'm just old school and just so old but i wish they would just go back to the main distinguished like, four four bowls where it was like the outback bowl and the fiesta bowl like those Orange games bowl, rose bowl yeah i yeah. get i get so you don't like the playoffs what you're saying no because like you said like if you're not in i wouldn't play it but just for those four it was Watch it like perfect example. Willis McGahee, he got hurt right. in that game. Yeah, blew out but his he, knee. He had insurance, so it was like if he couldn't recover, whatever. He still got drafted. You know, the, the Bills did a great job by like taking a whole year off, didn't rush him at all, just let him do his own thing, just to get the opportunity to to, to do that is is got to be like phenomenal. If you get hurt, whatever, it's like you know what, I get a real job. Like all these so called, um. Heisman Trophy winner like Danny Warfare, all that. They try yeah. the NFL, they don't succeed. They get like a real fucking like real job, like a insurance or or something that they got their degree in. So I get it, but the the younger people, they're like, oh, I can see what I can rob. You know, it's like what you said. Joe Flacco got hot at the right time, got yeah. paid. That guy was hot in college. He's going to get paid. I get it. I'm old school. I really liked the, the the five major bowl games and just watch. It was like I felt like all of them were championship games compared to now. It's like oh, it's just Alabama, whoever they're going to play. So, so are you right. also really old school that they should play? They should play all four years in college. Um, no, I, I give them like you know at least three. Like like they have it. Like if you earned it. Right. I I, I can't stand the one and done. All right. Basketball. Like, I hate yeah. It. If that's the case, just like. Just draft it's kind of hard for a football player to get drafted out of high school and just like wait or whatever. But doing a one They're not and done, men yet. <laughs> yeah, but doing one and done and, and for football, you're you're going to get fucking killed in the NFL. So absolutely, I I can't agree with you more. I, I you know I did like it back in the day when it was bowl games, but I understand why they went to the playoff format because it did get yeah. to this whole like this just but unreasonable it's so, it's so debate of who was the actual national championship. I get it, but I enjoyed it because it left you wondering. Compared it could to, come from any bowl game. Yeah. Right. And, I agree. Compared to now, like, you get your bowl game. It is what it is. It's done with. It's it's, it's just like, like, now we're going to see Alabama play Georgia again. Like, I really right. don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be interesting I, to see what the ratings I will be say to, to James's point, there's there are so many bowls that it kind of, it, it does dilute it a little bit. And I, I'd be Look, okay with a 7-5 and five being the bowl game. I will. I'll tell you so, what, so here's for a I, team that was, what, were we 6-6 six and six six, 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 to six, go six. to the pinstripe bowl and the experience that we had there at that was bowl? Right. It was great. I, and I agree with you, but from, I, and you guys could speak better to this because you were there, all three of you, from the TV perspective, it was empty. There was 30,000 people. It's a 55,000 capacity stadium. There were 30,000 people there? 29-something. That was the announced attendance was 29-6. Um, I think that maybe that number is a little high as always. Scott, but there, was be, there was 25 there. Tickets were still available. Well, yeah, of course, the 55,000 stadium. My whole point was, like, the pictures that you guys sent, right, and then, then seeing it on TV – watching everything happening. And you guys were, your section was in and out of camera. Anytime the ball went up, it was kicked. Yeah. You guys were, well, I there will were say, a lot of fucking empty seats around you. I'm just yeah. saying. I will yeah. say Virginia Tech did beat us in the in the number okay. of people there. I, well, it was the so only weird. Place I saw Ryan a concentrated amount of people it was, was, the, so, was the, the student section. It was so strange because we didn't see Virginia Tech people fucking anywhere for yeah. the whole, we were there for 36 hours before the game. We didn't see people on the on the subways. We didn't see people in Times Square. We didn't see people Just the anywhere. Club. We even circled <laughs> we even circled the, the stadium before the, the game, game with people in lines <laughs> yeah. and the lines looked like 70% Maryland fans and I'm going, holy shit, we're going to dominate this, 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 this number we're gonna do great and then we got in there and they just filled in and filled in and filled in holy and they were loud too they had their inner sand man yeah. they were real happy for about the first five minutes yeah i don't even know he was five minutes we shut the fuck up pretty quick yeah, I, don't, yeah. that. I don't know if it was one of us but someone said like 
Marilyn needs to get their marching band a little bit bigger compared. Uh, to that. Well, let me tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, hurt Ryan. I'll cuddle. No, I'll cuddle Marilyn. Marilyn, not the marching band. Uh, I was oh, sitting okay. next to a couple um, marching band parents. Uh, had some good conversations with them. And, uh, he finds friends wherever he goes. Maryland's, I had guys to my right. I was talking to Maryland, the entire game too. Maryland did their marching band dirty, bro. Uh, they made them all get tested before uh, being able to bus up there, and did not do the testing for them. They had to get testing within forty-eight hours before what? the bus left, and they did not provide it, which is nuts. When you yeah. are the University of Maryland with a billion hospital systems in, your, in yourself. So there were a bunch of people that opted out just because they were scared of COVID and didn't want to go. There were a bunch of people that couldn't get tested because you're talking about like they basically had to do it on Monday in order to get it done because you had, couldn't get tested on Sunday. I was just saying, if you didn't find out until Friday and or Saturday. Anyone that's been trying to get a COVID test around here nowadays knows that there's like wait lists and like difficulty yeah. getting anywhere. Well, apparently, so, you get one in every corner in New York. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Every corner in New York. The first line that we experienced in New York was a COVID line. We're literally, we're walking down the street, look like we're having a great time. Everything's going awesome. We were, we had started way up uh, or way way out outside like the normal central areas. And so we've been walking forever. Hadn't seen anything. We saw this long line and meeting Friday, like, oh, I wonder what that is. It looks interesting. And we started walking by. And then we get to the front there. It's like the COVID tent. And I'm like, oh shit, walk away. Walk away. Other side. Other side. And that's how it was. And there was. the closer you got to the city, where they're fucking doing all of the lights and all of the shows and all that's literally right by the fucking well, tree they, is times, a COVID tent. They also times just that's what I was telling you guys, COVID tent. It was yeah. nuts. That's what I was telling you guys before you went up was t- take everything with you because they had ju- right before you guys were leaving, they had announced that all public and private yeah. sectors. Not everybody was checking have- them. <laughs> we, we, I mean, we got, pro- I'd say 50%. 50% of places okay, checked still, them. But still, yeah. you, you yeah. would have been limited on no, what yeah, you we could have done. Scott, picture this. Uh, intersection. COVID, weed truck, <laughs> hot nuts, hot and, nuts. <laughs> and fake fake Gucci and Louis Vuitton. Every, every, every intersection. Every, corner. <laughs> every time I saw a food crowd, hot nuts. Right. <laughs> Brian I fucking love hot nuts <laughs> and the weed, the weed everywhere. You're smelling it. I had contact fucking walking through there, dude. Oh my god, yeah. Jesus. I, but either way, still had a great time. The two comedy clubs that we went to. Shout out to uh, Caroline's on Broadway. Shout out to what was it? Gotham. 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 Both places. All the comedians. We saw eight comedians in total. All of them were great. Uh, I, I will tell you, like blowing. Well, like Caroline's told, is like the premiere, and then Amateur Hour is Gotham. But they were but all they really were very good. good at, well, I mean, like New York City Amateur Hour is everyone else's pros. Yeah, right. well, like I told him, a lot. You get a lot of the comics that came out of the, especially the East Coast, New York. Uh, so one of the one of the big ones, Maryland guy, Louis Black. Louis Black, when he first got going, he started at Gotham. Got noticed by the people from Caroline. Started performing at Caroline. So wait a minute, Lewis Black's from Maryland. Yes, he's my, from Silver Spring. My favorite comedian ever. I didn't know he was from Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> the Maryland guy is disappointed right now. I'm so embarrassed. My stadium. I'm that sorry, murder. guys. You got that murder on you. <laughs> he was, I knew. I just knew in my head that he was from Maryland. That's why I loved him he so was, much. He was born and raised in Silver Spring, Maryland. Well, my, yeah. fr- my favorite living comic. <laughs> Mitch no, Hedberg's my favorite ever. Say, All right, yeah. Mitch. I didn't know where you're going with that, uh, but no, yeah, like walked into Target, uh, but I missed. <laughs> oh, there's people splattered all around the outside. <laughs> take note of the people that you listen to, and if you thought that they were good, take Is note. Mitch Hedberg fi- from Maryland? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, f- f- I think he's from New York. Um, <laughs> But no, take note of the guys you guys did see at Gotham because usually, you know, when you get people out of the, at Gotham, I'm you a, have to be somebody along the East Coast to start performing at Gotham to get to. That's where, oh yeah. like, you get noticed at Gotham, you start performing at Gotham, and then you get noticed. I elsewhere. like to think I'm a pretty good judge of talent. None of them are going to go like anywhere. Yeah. Big, uh, by the think. way, the best, the best Carolines meme, are the best Carolines. Meme, yeah, I'm talking about Gotham. The best meme I saw um, all week. I don't know if either of you have seen. But both of you will 100% appreciate. It was AB trying out for his new job. That's a- when he takes his shirt off, and it was a picture of him next to Burt Kreischer. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I 
decided party to, animals. I would pay to go see that though. I would watch that tour. And shout out to New York Pizza Suprema, best pizza in New York. We went there three times to authenticate it. It was great. <laughs> you didn't go anywhere else to try anywhere else. You just went there three no, times. It, say, was, yeah, it was too good. There was no reason. There was yeah. no reason oh. to try anywhere else. It had the highest rating on Google for a goddamn reason. Yeah, and it was like, like three miles from our hotel. Yeah, it, was it, was like, it was like four. And, and the cheese, cheese, cheese. Cheesecake is amazing up there. Yes. I, I think that's Ryan why they got New York had, cheesecake for a reason. I had, I had, I had my, like four pieces everywhere we went. I, we had our, <laughs> I had my first uh, bagel with locks up there. I had somebody tell me that you got to get a bagel while you're you in New York. You never had a bagel with locks? No, I never had one. And I also never knew that bagels were a thing in New York. Oh, like, yeah. I never knew that they were like a big thing there. Just. This girl I'm talking to was like, oh, yeah, you got to go up there. You got to get a bagel. You got to go to like a, a Jewish deli. I don't know how many blocks we walked looking for a goddamn Jewish deli. You couldn't find one. There's a Jewish deli on every corner that's, what she, that's what she told me, and we not, couldn't find them anywhere. Not like, in that borough. Not in where, we were in Chelsea, and they <laughs> yeah, weren't nowhere. anywhere. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> one come out of fucking nowhere. And we went in there, and we got our uh, with schmear. And locks on it. It was great. Wait a second. Locks for locks. Hold on. Did the two did the two of you not just ask a New Yorker? No, uh, that's, that's where she's from is New York. That's why I asked. She said, but I'm saying, in the area, I'm going everywhere. somebody walking down the street with a New York Yankees hat on going, hey, what's oh. the best deli around here? No, no we were looking gonna... at Ryan's phone. Ryan was trying to navigate through. and find yeah, Ryan did a hell of a job. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. It was, it was right, funny. Fair enough. I, 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 we, we were, we were, the M for murder thing, man, was so yeah. funny as hell. <laughs> but the guy was telling a joke about how he pulled a hammer in a fight. <laughs> My dad's front row of the, of the, of the stage laughing at ass off like he was ahead of the joke like he knew how this joke was ending because you know he's old school farm boy and so he's pulled a pipe once or twice I think in his life so he had just a big M on his shirt you know like this and he's, he's like I knew it I knew you were, were, were that guy that M stands for murder <laughs> it was so funny it was pretty funny the setup we went to the, the one night and it was the four of us singing a table, and then right next to us was this table of four models. They were all like relatives. You know, it was the mother oh, and three three daughters, all of them six five, six yeah, all of them like five eleven, six foot, one hundred and ten pounds. Right? <laughs> what, so, what I hear is you had no shot. No, so, no, no the, the, the <laughs> next <laughs> table was all Virginia Tech fans, right? So this guy in jerseys. So the one, Cosmo. The, the main host guy that you know introduces everybody, and he also does his own joke line. Well, he's one of those guys that involves the audience. And start to pick. So he's, you know, calling us out. He's like, I'm not talking to these guys. That's a fucking lumberjack table. I'm not messing with them. Next to these fucking models. He's like, I don't know what kind of fucking shit we got going on here. We got the Brady bunch. Of, uh, it was just funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's funny. We had like the DMV, right? Yeah. All that, yeah, yeah right. Right. They were DC. from DC. They were from models from right. DC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was going back and forth. They were like, so wait, it, you have you guys from Maryland, the models in DC, and then Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech fans. Uh, yeah. And we could have played that out any better. Right. And the Virginia Tech were drunk assholes interrupting the show over and over again so they got called out so every comedian ended up like fuck these Virginia Tech guys I'm glad Maryland beat your ass today like they said you played today right to the Virginia Tech people and, the, and he's like yeah and, 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 and did you win well for like five <laughs> minutes they played I, I said they played for like five minutes and then later like, they was like you. did you win I said not even fucking close <laughs> and then Scott this one guy looked like Garth from Wayne's World yeah. drinking a fucking Cosmo. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Cosmo. A fat Garth. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, oh, it was man. a great time. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to many more bowl games in the future. Hopefully one next year. Hopefully it's not in Detroit. Hopefully it's somewhere nice. We'll see where it is, but uh, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. We'll see you next Tuesday night, 730 as usual. See you guys. See you guys. See ya.